don't know Tom. I don't know Tom. I don't know Tom. I don't know Tom. Yeah. If that works for you. Oh yeah, this is uh, totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> how sure how close to these? They don't have to be that close. They're really they yeah, and it's picking up either way. So up. I can Great. adjust audio. So I left my first hole. of all, let's start. I'm gonna uh, open up by paying your song. <laughs> you can even bring the alcohol over too if you need to. I don't want oh, you to you feel want inhibited. Oh, uh, no, there's no. nothing in there. <laughs> I finished that. No, if I finish this throughout the duration of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. And it was funny because I was listening to this song that you recommended, <laughs> and I was really like, "Wait, this is a bop!" Like I haven't heard this in a while. I was like, going through it. Was like, why did I pick this? And I, I picked it because it was like the top twenty-five most played, and I was like, "Why is this my top 25 <laughs> But then I was, I was kind of like listening to this, like, "Oh shit, I forgot!" Like, it's just such a good rock song though it is and it's like it, it's nothing profound yeah like, it's not like you know i don't like listen to this and like sit in my apartment in the dark and cry <laughs> but i listen to it and i'm like i'm hype i could do whatever i could i could fight a bear right now there like, you go you know i definitely get very I, I got really hype in the car when i was listening to it earlier and i'm i'm like wait wait a minute and you've heard it so many times in different it's like in sequences so much yeah. yeah 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 like i uh I, like I like it and I'm like yeah this is great and then they put that key change in and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just so many breaks in the song where it just like really riles you up so yeah. it's, I can definitely appreciate the enthusiasm behind it like how did you find this song Roaming Michelle's High School Reunion really okay. yeah when I was a kid that was like one of my favorite movies of all time which I think explains a lot about me. <laughs> okay <laughs> do you know why that was your favorite movie when you were a kid, there was or? something about like the the characters and the comedy of it mm-hmm. I mean granted at the same time like I also like had a period where I watched Beetlejuice every single day fair enough you know they're releasing a new one I think I'm so excited they're already coming with like Catherine O'Hara there is there <laughs> I have, I'm waiting for like a pick of Michael Keaton just to be released like, fair enough I'm like cool. he's absolutely I'll gonna see be the here. other people yeah you know like it's cool to see Winona Ryder and like the hair and the stuff Feel like that. that I'm like that's nice and all <laughs> but he's gonna be the one where I'm like it's happening because like I, even now because it's been rumored for like 15 years they were gonna make mm-hmm. a sequel and I was like do you do you think that like what what do you think the value of like making a sequel like do you feel like it introduces and reinvigorates the old introduces the new like what do you the I think as, it, as long as the the story still has something to say, okay, it's important All right. to make a sequel. Like if the story has nothing else to say other than you're bringing it back because it's a fan favorite, it's gonna okay. go one of two ways. Yeah, it's either gonna be a great fan favorite that people are like, yes, <laughs> or it's gonna flop and people are gonna hate it. Fair enough. Because it depends on what it is. Like you know, like I think like something like Beetlejuice is such a cult movie. That there is a big expectation to live yeah. up to. Yeah. Like there's like they they really can't mess this up. And if they do, 
there's going to be people that love it. There's yeah. going to be pe- the original fans that absolutely hate it. I think the people that have been reintroduced to Beetlejuice as the newer generation, which even technically I'm not even part of the generation that should <laughs> know what Beetlejuice is. <laughs> like it was wildly inappropriate of, cause I would have been, it came out in like 1988, 87. I was born in 90. So the yeah. fact that I'm like watching it every day on like VHS at four, yeah, not a movie for four year olds. I don't think, I don't think so either. I mean, yeah, enough. they dropped the F bomb, but whatever, yeah. who doesn't? Am I allowed to swear? I think it's at least PG-13. <laughs> you can swear. That's oh, fine. thank God. Yeah. I, I was think that there's something about, <laughs> like, if I ever become, uh, like, if I start to present this on YouTube, you have to have, like, eight minutes, the first yeah. eight minutes or something. Yeah. We'll take care of like that. that. Whenever I'm good enough to hire lawyers, then we'll go from there. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you said that, like, if it had something to say, and I find that important because, like, what do you think the first movie, like, what was the first movie saying to you? I or saying in general, the first movie was such a big talk on what happens after you die, mm. because at I mean, at, granted, like I think that's it's the the question that will never have an answer until yeah. it does, and yep. but at that point, you can't share it, <laughs> can't share it, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I think it was a really unique way to look at how the world changes once you're done with like whatever it is that you are on Earth, right? Okay. Which for Beetlejuice, it was. I, I, you know, I'm not really sure. It was yeah. like, hey, if you're a bad person, you have to be a social worker yes. in the afterlife. <laughs> if you're, a, I guess, a good person, you're trapped in a house. <laughs> you can't escape or else you got eaten by sandworms. Yep. I, I guess I don't know what the benefit. Like, was there maybe even some, may, hey, maybe that's what they'll talk about in the sequel. It's like, yeah. what happens if you're like a great person? Like, do you go to heaven? Is there yeah. a, a Beetlejuice of heaven? I hope there is. <laughs> Fair enough. Duality. Yeah. So I think that it was just this really neat way of looking at, you know, life after death. And it was an, it was a neat take that no one's ever really, I, as far as I knew, mm-hmm. as mainstreamly explored it before. Mm. And that was, I think, just kind of a cool way of, of looking at it, of just sort of like, you're here. You might be stuck with people that move into your to your house after. Very much. And they might be Catherine O'Hara. <laughs> there you go. Well, we first. I want to first thank the audience for uh, agreeing to come here and listen to another story today. Uh, this is the I Don't Know Tom podcast. Um, you're here with myself, Thomas Rainey. Um, and today I have a very special guest. Um, we kind of jumped into the conversation uh, there early because there were just so many interesting things to talk about. And that'll probably be the general cadence of the show <laughs> moving forward is just abstract conversation in the beginning and then an introduction somewhere down the line. But if you're really itching to know who it is, you can always read the title. Um, but at the end of the day, I have Caleb here with me. Caleb, I do not know no. your last name. What is your last name? Oh, it's if it, you care to share it. Yeah, by of the way. course. It's um, Figgles. Figgles. OK, yeah. Caleb Figgles. And um, I wanted to talk for, to, with Caleb for no other reason than he's Caleb. <laughs> like, that's pretty much it. And I think that that's the theme that you're going to recognize on this show is that, you know, I'm not necessarily invested in talking to people that um, I feel like have accomplished or some, six, some semblance of fame. It, it's more about highlighting the fact that everyone is special. Everyone has a unique story. Everyone has value. Um, and if there are people who have been seasoned in a similar profession um, that I'm looking to step my toe in, such as Caleb, um, who, uh, who has a podcast that we're going to talk about, um, and if they care to come on, I'm more than happy to have that as well. But um, I want to make sure that everyone feels like they're welcome. They can come on. We can have a great conversation. And hopefully, you know, as you learn something about yourself, I learn something about myself. And that's the goal. 
All right. Hell and yeah. hopefully there's not too many. I don't know either. So, uh, <laughs> Caleb, thank you for agreeing to come on. Yes, of course. Uh, I appreciate you being willing to share um, yes. and, and, and talk a little bit about uh, yourself. So and in that in that vein, who are you? Who is Caleb? If you were to ask, ask that answer oh, that question. God, I don't know, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Tom already. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, no, I. Uh, well, yeah. First of all, thank you for doing this podcast. I no think this problem. is an incredibly important thing. This is very unique. I'm very excited to see where this all goes. No problem. I think this is one thing that that podcasts don't do is they don't just talk about the everyday mm-hmm. and i think that's yeah, we the all live about we nothing. all live the everyday <laughs> every day so yeah, exactly um but oh, who am i who am i <laughs> that was from les mis there you go. um no I, I you know at the at the center of of what i i, I truly believe that i'm who i am and, and meant to be is um an entertainer okay and i that's been like a common theme throughout my entire life um up until when it was fully realized, I was like in like I don't know, what grade? You, how old are you in sixth grade? About seven, something. Like, no, oh no, you're God. way older than that. I don't know, you're like eleven maybe. Sure. Five years. Yeah. We'll go. Th- I don't know. Math is terrible <laughs> for me right now. I was in sixth grade. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that. Yes, sixth grade. So, yeah. However old you are in sixth grade, and yeah. I, I was able to um, do. They had like a sixth grade drama club that was mandatory. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're not sure. I mean, but, but you whatever. were there nonetheless. But I was there and okay. I, I, you know, like started doing and I had like performed in like church and, and random like Bible school esque type situations like mm-hmm. that for like one week Bible school camp type stuff. And I, I, I loved it and I loved being in front of an audience and I loved just sort of the the, the people aspect of um, sort of, of, of playing. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, sixth grade, I like was like like my first like legitimate show that you like worked on and, mm-hmm. and did stuff, and uh, from there it just sort of kept going and it spiraled and spiraled in a good way. Uh, and then that's what I went to college for. It's what technically I moved to Pittsburgh for, okay. which has <coughs> happened a few times in the seven years that I've been here. Okay, <coughs> we'll take a little <laughs> sip. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, there's there's just something about me and like my personality that I I like to entertain and I like yes. to not necessarily just like as myself. I mean, mm-hmm. I think the the whole point of like doing theater and and acting is is just sort of be someone else for a little while and mm-hmm. sort of get to understand the the human experience to a certain point where you get people. Mm-hmm. Um and that's very much helped me in like my professional life. Mm-hmm. But um I I just I love being quote unquote in front of an audience, which technically I consider podcast. You're in front of an yeah. audience once it releases. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, still putting yourself out there. Yeah, there's exactly. Some vulnerability right. associated with it. Yeah. Right. So that's I, that would be my <laughs> the short answer is an entertainer. Okay. I appreciate that. The shortest answer is I don't no. know, Tom. <laughs> I don't know, Tom. <laughs> you said an entertainer, so we'll go with that. We don't need I don't know mm. this early mm. on. But the the reason that I think that that's interesting um, for a number of reasons, but um, to kind of relate it to things I've seen before, I, I remember I was working with some, some students. There was a program I was facilitating and um, it's called Big Questions. And one mm-hmm. of the things that we would ask are these like kind of big lofty philosophical questions of what is love and 
one of the questions we asked is what is reality? Mm -hmm. And mm. what was fascinating to me was, was the students' responses because the physics student said, well, reality is based on, and he defined it based on physics, mm -hmm. and another did based on biology. And then it kind of became this showmanship amongst the hard sciences. And then it was an actor that spoke up and said, you know, well, for me, reality is this thing that I'm constantly creating based on the characters that I'm, I'm taking on. Wow. And I thought, what a profound way to kind of interject into to that dialogue yeah. because the the alternative could have been to be put off by you know these people trying to kind of quantify reality in these hard ways mm -hmm. um but for him you know reality was this kind of almost fluid thing that he was changing on yeah. but what i've come to realize i think a little bit later is that even with doing that taking on these characters there's a tremendous amount of vulnerability that comes with that you yeah. know so like when you say you're an entertainer mm -hmm. that's almost this kind of to it or a dual-sided coin in yeah. a sense right you get to take on somebody else but then you have right. to kind of be more of yourself to do that and yeah it's a very interesting thing yeah you've got to be very in touch i mean there's very few times i will say that i've ever played any sort of character that was that was really really I very much get cast as the comedic relief. And okay. that's, you know, I hey, at the end of the day, I will always be like, listen, drama is easy. Comedy is hard. So yes. I, like I take yes. I take that with great pride that yes. I get cast in the comedy. <laughs> but um, there are those there were there have been a few instances where I've been cast in something dramatic or something that involved much more deeper human experience understanding to to even fully facilitate what this this person is mm -hmm. what they're going through and what they need to do to mm -hmm. make it to the end of the show absolutely or the, or the end of the story absolutely. i should say um and though there it's hard yeah <laughs> it's really hard because you do have to like rely on you know personal experience you've got to rely on your understanding of what the the pain or the struggle or the um, nuances of what a, a character who's going through something really big mm -hmm. might be going through yeah. or feeling or anything along those lines. And I, I would imagine, and I don't know for sure, but I think it sounds like maybe doing the podcast offers you to kind of, uh, how can I say this, adjust that vulnerability, right? Like yeah. you can choose, pick and choose because there's a person there that you're talking to then mm -hmm. they can choose to be vulnerable. So that kind of puts you in a director's chair right. where you don't have to be the performer, but if you choose to, you can step into that role. Yeah. And you know, it's always really interesting whenever I have someone on that, maybe it's like their first time on the podcast or maybe it's someone I don't really know all that well mm -hmm. or anything along that. Like there's always this um, sort of level of permission. Yeah. Maybe for lack of a better term where it's like I need to be able to break the barrier and mm -hmm. make them loosen up and feel okay. So like I mean I I mean I've I've really talked about a whole <laughs> lot of stuff on my podcast. <laughs> I was even telling you before we we were, you know, sitting over by the fabulous charcuterie board <laughs> that I miss already. <laughs> it's absolute torture being able to see it. You go back over there. And I, I should have brought it over here. That's I should have brought it. I was the last one, one over here. That's right. I know. I failed. <laughs> it's um, okay. But, uh, you know, like I've, I've done a whole episode on, on blowjobs and I've talked from like personal experience both mm -hmm. on both ends of that spectrum. And yeah. I've talked about, you know, I think my sex life in many more episodes than I ever thought that I would. Mm -hmm. And it because of what the topic was, was that I, I needed to give the other person permission to be able to be like, okay, he has now said something that is like vulnerable and personal Absolutely. and sort of out there. 
and now I feel a little bit more comfortable sharing something because it's never the expectation that I'm like, you need to be vulnerable and share mm-hmm. your deepest, darkest yeah. fears on my podcast. It's, yeah. uh, it's always like what, what you want to say, but sometimes people need that little, well, like little nudge to I, be like, it's okay. I completely agree. And I, I think that, you know, that's the, when you, when you start talking to people and you, and your job is talking to people, I think that you realize that you do need to extend that olive branch a little bit, right? That, that to like, let the, like the audience and the person that you're talking to know that like vulnerability is okay. And to know that like, I'm willing to go there with you, Mm -hmm. you know, to role model that a little bit. And I I think that all too often, you know, that's probably why there's so many podcasts about, you know, the, the verses, right. The gender wars and all of that, because that's a little bit easier, low hanging fruit than it is to talk about, the, the messiness that is our own lives, yeah. the complicated conversations that we have with ourselves. Or, and I heard this definition that, you know, vulnerability is essentially sharing the truth when you don't need to. And mm. I thought like, wow, because that does put you in a really precarious situation, right? Yeah. You know, oftentimes we kind of operate based on, you know, I'll, I'll share what information, like, like we're under investigation, like I'll yeah. share what I need to share. Um, but we bring people on podcasts and we want them to open up. And we can't expect them to do that if we don't role model that to an extent. So, you know, you share something to say like, hey, this is where I want to take the conversation. Yeah. Let me show that I'm willing to go there, too. Right. In a little bit of a way. So I, you know, when I ask these questions, I always offer to the person that like, you know, share what you want to share. Right. You know, and if you want to ask me anything, you're more than willing to as well. So I will. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You want to you want to go get the charcuterie board? I don't want you to feel separate. No, I've got my martini. As long as you're taken care of. That works. (laughs) So but before we go too far, Mm -hmm. we mentioned your podcast multiple times. Can (laughs) we insert? Can we insert a plug for your podcast here? Is that an okay yeah, yeah. opportunity? So can you take yeah. a moment and tell us a little bit about your podcast? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and maybe even like why you decided that this was the avenue you wanted to go to yeah. entertain. Um, so uh, my podcast, and thank you, because I probably no should have thought about that earlier. But <laughs> That's all right. I told you earlier, this is the first time that I've been a guest on someone else's where it's been yeah. less of like a, a gimmick of me being on. Because sometimes yeah. it's just like, you know, you come on and you answer mm-hmm. like two questions and then you're out. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, yeah, my podcast is uh, Making a Martini Up mm-hmm. Dry and Straight to the Point is the full title. Okay. I, it's now been reduced <laughs> to just Making a Martini. It's much easier. <laughs> something I realized early yeah. on that it needs to be something you can tell Alexa. And she yeah. <laughs> so, like, that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And it, 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 it basically is a topical podcast um, in which I come up with or try to come up with a topic that I don't know a whole lot about mm-hmm. that I think is either important or I think is funny and I bring someone on who is knowledgeable on that topic and we discuss it and it, there's sometimes questions like actual like research questions where it's like just give me the give me your definitions give me this let me get sometimes it's you know a little philosophical where we talk about the ideas depending on what the topic mm-hmm. is um, and some episodes I just you know can't think of something so I just pull something out of my ass i've done um why i think grease 2 is better than grease 1 i've done um that's great because i didn't know that yeah so that's great well and let me tell you it's a gem (laughs) all right fair enough i will definitely investigate i will follow up i promise so yeah yeah um yeah it all started it started actually um it was a pandemic podcast in which i was sitting in my apartment alone 
I was looking at things happening online. I was like, I don't understand how the world works. <laughs> <laughs> I would like comment on somebody's like post on Facebook about yeah. something related to the world, and I would get like ripped apart. And I was like, I don't know how to respond. So. <laughs> Well, you got the charcuterie board after I the did. Delay, you know what? So. That's what this oh, is Oh, we're for. good. We're all good. All right. So it's work. It's for back now. up. All right. Eating. So after a little bit of a technical error, <laughs> we're back and we're talking about your podcast. And you were saying that it basically started out of being a, um, a pandemic podcast. Yeah. Um, did you want to go on a little bit more about that? No, no, yeah, I just said, like, you know, everyone was arguing online, and I was like, I want to argue, too. There you go. You want to, you know, throw <laughs> so your voice better, into the crowd? So I better make a whole podcast about how I need to know how the world works. Well, and I, I think that, well, the follow-up to that is basically kind of like, well, why a podcast, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, they, because everyone was arguing on Twitter, and so yeah. you could have chose many different avenues, so why that? You know, I think one of the biggest things for me was that I knew that if I had my own platform that was larger than social media um that i think i could do something kind of great with it okay and at least that was my hope that was that was like the the initial thought i was like you know what if we're if i'm gonna do this if i'm gonna like really do this as opposed to like because at the end of the day i was like if if there are things that i don't know other people don't know them too oh fair enough and you know you can only fit however many characters into a tweet you can only do so much on instagram no one cares about facebook anymore <laughs> so if i didn't have a podcast i wouldn't have facebook to be okay. honest piss off some of my older relatives but okay oh That's no fair. <laughs> fair enough we'll go ahead at this point they would you would have gotten the yeah. download for this it's, episode anyway they'll be all right anyway. <laughs> no, that was that was uh, that was that that was it. That was I was like, you know what is, it, and I didn't I didn't really want to do anything like YouTube related, only because I didn't know how. Okay. I mean, granted, I didn't know how to do podcast stuff either, but it yeah. seemed simpler. <laughs> Just like the the whole conversation aspect of it all, yeah. I imagine. Okay, so I guess the the other question, the next question I have, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a, you know, um, on on the theme of the questions that I would typically ask, even though I'm asking you many more than the seven <laughs> you agreed to, um, is, you know, what brings you joy or happiness? Joy or happiness? Well, martinis. Fair enough. Um, but outside of that, that's fine. Uh, you know, obviously we, I talked about this a little bit earlier, performing mm-hmm. is like one of like the biggest passions that I have in, mm-hmm. in, in my life. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And it's, you know, I like being in front of an audience. I like making people laugh because that's usually where I fall. Yeah. Um, Or even just making people feel something. Um, But I, you know, also just really love feeling like I have um, a feeling of accomplishment. Like from any range of the spectrum like if i finish a, a, a puzzle mm-hmm. like i'm the type of person i'm the i'm the sixth son of a bitch who will okay. sit down and do a puzzle in one day <laughs> because i can't just leave that i tried to do a puzzle during the pandemic i never finished it. yeah so. <laughs> i i did one like two weeks ago and it was uh it was a thousand piece like it, it was like a really really wide one too like it was really it was sort of like panorama type yeah. puzzle <laughs> and i did it all in one day and i got up and was done and I had like issues walking for two days. I was like, <laughs> I feel, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to feel so great when this is done and Absolutely. I can like see like the full product and, and, you know, or so from that to like, you know, doing a podcast and feeling like I've maybe made a little bit of a difference. 
Do you ever think world. about why that is? Like, what, where that feeling or that need to have a feeling of completion comes from? I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think what really sold that was the fact that I looked off as if I was going to yes. have something really prolific to say. Yes. No. <laughs> not that no. anyone saw that not part. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, I'm not. I'm not really, really sure. I, I think that, like, in 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 my life, I've never really been that type of person to, like, fully not complete something once I set my mind to it, like, from mm-hmm. a very young age. Like, if I was going to do something, I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, there are – perfect example of this and just, like, the type of person that I am is that I just recently moved. Mm-hmm. And in Pittsburgh, I think I've moved four times and I am the type of person where I'm like, I'm not stopping picking things up, putting things down, back and forth out of the truck into mm-hmm. an apartment, vice versa, until it's done, until the truck is full or until the truck is empty, until the apartment's ready to go, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. My brother, who has helped me every single time I've moved, so shout out to Ian. <laughs> we love you so much. Shout out to I don't Ian. know why I just did that as That's if he wasn't fine. with us anymore. Well, he is. <laughs> um, but he is the type of person that will move like four things and be like I gotta take a rest and like take his shirt off he's like I'm too hot because I always move in the summer because that's just like ever since I moved I moved in the summer so like my leases always line up it's not better in the winter FYI no I know it really wouldn't be any better I would find something to hate about maybe the fall is the best time I don't know I don't know Yeah, but he quite literally like has to take a break like he'll move for 20 minutes take a break for 10 Mm mm-hmm and I'm like, I can't yeah. <laughs> I just get so like, ir- not irritated because I'm so grateful he's there, but I'm just like, all right, I'll just, I guess, move some small stuff. That, that's that's <laughs> fascinating to me because I, I, I can, I can relate to that a lot. Um, there is a part of me that, you know, definitely likes to kind of do things to completion. Yeah. But I, I also think that like we do things for a reason. So, you know, the whole idea of this podcast being, I don't know, Tom is the, the fact that I think that you know, a lot of who we are and what we know about ourselves starts at that point. You know, we kind of, you know, for a lot of us, we may live on cruise control thinking that the things that we've acquired for the life, the comforts that we've created is good enough. But once you start to grow, you end up asking yourself questions that you may not know the answer to. And Mm -hmm. some of them are so fundamental to who we are that we don't even consider asking. Right. So like you being someone who's always done that, it's interesting that you've maybe never thought about why that is. You yeah. Know? And the other question I have is, you know, you know, why, have, why do you, what, not w- what do you get out of entertainment, but why entertain it? Right. Because there's a yeah. lot of ways to kind of express yourself, but you chose mm-hmm. entertaining people. I think that for me, there was always something to, um, an escape of reality almost okay and getting the chance to sort of be someone else for a little while and i never like had and and maybe this this truly does come from the idea of like you know i was i grew up in a very 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 small town we mm-hmm. had two stoplights one of them was decoration that's that's a uh, graduating wow. class of 82 wow yeah that's like small like a very very small town and i was from an early age very clearly a homosexual like, yeah you know the cat was out of the bag i hadn't said it yet but yeah. you know you open your mouth and like chiffon falls out and you're like oh god <laughs> and um 
So, you know, I mean, like maybe it stemmed a little bit from that, just sort of like getting to like, I was never like really like like bullied or like I was because mm-hmm. I was funny. Yeah. And I think I, that might have played into it too. Like at that, even from like an early age, like it became a self defense mechanism where I was mm-hmm. like, you know, what if I can't be like the fun, like straight, like mm-hmm. football player, I was going to be funny. Mm-hmm. And so I did that, and then that turned into being interested in theater, and that turned into sort of like the escape of just like not having to like deal with reality for a little while and just like Mm. get to pretend to be someone else completely. And then that sort of turned into this is how I am going to relate to the human experience. Mm. Like once I got to college and I was like, this is so much bigger than just a coping mechanism. This is like... a, a, a way to like actually know who people are and why they do what they do and you know sort of how they operate mm-hmm. and I think that throughout that entire process that was probably always there mm-hmm. and it was fascinating to me yeah and I liked you know getting to sort of get in into the minds of these I mean granted like in high school like you play stereotypical people like yeah. you know I w- like I said 82 people so I was always like the male lead <laughs> which would never be the case like mm. I'm not um what was the one that I played that I was like, this should have never happened? Um, oh, yeah. Like, I was the Cowardly Lion. Okay. At some... No, no, no. Not even that. Even that, before that. Seventh grade. <laughs> seventh grade. Okay. I was Daddy Warbucks. Okay. And I was a junior, senior high school, so this was seventh through twelfth. Yes. Annie was played by a twelfth grader. I was shorter than her. And I just wow. happened to have, like, a voice that was slightly better than the people that auditioned because, you know, there just wasn't a lot of people there. Fair enough. So that it was like that, like, <laughs> to the point that, like, I had, like, a drawn-on mustache and, like, <laughs> you know, there's a picture that always circulates every year that the director of that show posts because we went on to do a lot of stuff together yeah. afterwards. And... um it was just like there was no reason in any way, shape, or form that that's what I should have been. And I don't think it was like a talent thing. I think it was just lack of other people thing. But mm-hmm. like even that, like something as min- minuscule as that to like be like Daddy Warbucks and like you're this billionaire who owns yep. New York City and you can do whatever you want and you <laughs> adopt a child and you're like, well, this is hard for a seventh grader to fully comprehend. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, and at that point, like, my skill level was so low. I didn't understand. I didn't, looking back on it now, I was like, what a weird time yeah. <laughs> for me to exist. I, I think that's so it's, – it's so – it's it it reminds me of, like, like the, the – um, what is it? The adaptability of, like, yeah. kids and, and – like, because for you to be in that space, for you to know that you, you were so different – yeah. And then for you to kind of gravitate, I mean, one, like you did say, it felt good to entertain people because mm-hmm. you were like that instant gratification of getting their applause yeah. or whatever the case Nothing may be. Nothing feels better than making an audience laugh. There you go. I, for I me, can, like I, that is like the biggest high that I will ever have. I agree. But I would Maybe also say that in some ways it sounds like nothing feels safer either, you know, mm. because it, it, it allows for them to appreciate you for you yeah. without having to center on the piece of you that may feel very different from the audience. Interesting. That's very true. I think that that is, um, I don't want to say like a, an acceptance factor, mm-hmm. but maybe for lack of a better term. <laughs> no, that, and, that and, makes and I don't say that way. Like, sense. yeah, like, it's, it's you know, just, there's this, you know, you, uh, you, you sort of win people over with your, your, your talent and your, uh, sort of fearlessness. 
because, because it's still you. Like exactly. it's not, it's nothing less. Yeah, fine. exactly. But it's nothing less than who you are, right? right. But it's like it, it's this other piece. Like you, it's almost like you knew because for you to even open up this conversation by talking about your sexuality, yeah. lets me know at least in that small town that you knew that that may not be widely accepted, right? Like right. that may you may not at least for lack of a better word be celebrated for yeah. that being a part of who you are. But you were in some ways celebrated for this piece of who the you that, are. Right. And also, like, you were able to have a good relationship, like, reciprocity, because it wasn't just the audience appreciating you. You appreciated them. There yep. was, you know, it sounded like that anyway. So, yeah. you know, I, I, think that the, I, I think that that's fascinating because it, it, it allows for us to show, like, what adaptability looks like even at a young age. Yeah. You know, before you even maybe knew like everything that was happening to right. you, you were making things work. I think, like, you know, kids in general are the best example of this because they're s- always growing and figuring out who in the hell they are. Yeah. You know, so like <laughs> that ability to pivot mm-hmm. and sort of, um, whether it be for the good or the bad, is still a, a, a huge skill. Um, and sort of, you know, adapt to the, the world that they live in. Um, whether it be for self-preservation, whether it be for self-expression, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing. And I think that, that, that kids are the best example of it. Yeah. I, I always find it interesting whenever, like, you listen to these quote-unquote geniuses talk about, you know, the things that they would recommend. And, you know, I think there's a famous quote from Einstein that says that he starts thinking like a child. Mm-hmm. And um, I even read a book that talks about, this notion of creative crisis that, you know, we all have creativity, but you'll hear people say, well, I'm not a creative. Mm-hmm. And it's because at some point in their life, they, it's like they did something and someone said that's not good enough and yeah. it stuck with them. Right. Whereas, you know, if you're a performer or whatever, you're probably so used to hearing that, that it doesn't affect God, you as yeah. much. <laughs> so it, it sucks. It's, yeah. Like, <laughs> and I'm sure it does, but there's a, there's this knowledge that, kind of like you recognize that it's a part of the process yeah and i think that if you're not someone who considers yourself a creative you don't see it as that but yeah. that's still the truth you know like that right. that iterative iterating over and over again that's yeah. important with a lot of things outside of just being a creative yeah i worked at um, a kid's summer camp and this was just like in my college hometown and um I always worked with like the young, the younger kids because mm-hmm. that was just, you know, they were more fun. I was just like, I'm not like really here, but I'm kind of here. I'm, yeah. I was sort of like an administrator, but I still was a presence in their lives. And so I was like, uh, these kids are much more fun. I can, you know, they make fart jokes and I'm here for it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I also like still would like experience like the older kids. Cause I believed it. I, mm, I don't know what the, like the, I think we had people that were like, it was like six to 17, you know, mm-hmm. and like a 17 year old is so has so many more inhibitions than mm-hmm. a six year old has, mm-hmm. you know, when you tell a kid, we, I was a guest artist in one of the shows that was full of dinosaurs and I was the villain, but also just like this random pterodactyl. And, um, you know, you, you get into this and you're just like, well, I'm just going to go and have fun. And the kids are so into it and mm-hmm. having so much fun. They're like, I'm a dinosaur. And you're like, Ooh, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> so no. sorry. <laughs> Screaming no is like the funniest thing. <laughs> so, for the listening audience who did not get a chance to see what just happened, Caleb just dropped like a drink and screamed no. But it was def- there's not a lot that happened. 
There was no damage, so I'm gonna let Caleb get another drink if you'd like to. <laughs> I'm gonna it was get definitely those paper an accident. There you go. But that was so. pretty hilarious. <laughs> You're fine. Oh man, that was a perfect. That is. This is gonna be a hilarious episode. I just want the. No, like that's what I was thinking. Like even when I saw it fall, it was like, no, it's not that big of a deal. So it'll be fine. Oh man, and it's like one of the risks you take whenever you get a white carpet. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There. You, well, now I know that. So, and now I know what olive juice is as well. So. <laughs> no, you're fine. Take your time. No, I have a different question as soon as you come back anyway, so you're fine. No worries. But um, we were basically talking about, like, how free-spirited children are and their inhibitions. So, um, and, and to be honest, like, that's one of the biggest things that, like, I try to remember. I think that the more that I look at the world, the more duality I see. And I say that because one of my favorite quotes, and I'll probably say this a lot on this podcast, so get used to it. Um, but one of my favorite quotes is by Aristotle. Um, the quote goes in some form or fashion, it's the mark of an intelligent mind to be able to entertain two competing thoughts without accepting either. And um, it shows in my, uh, my mind this flexibility to be able to have dynamic conversations and to be able to take both of them to their natural conclusions um, but not feel inhibited by having to possess one or the other. Um, I think that mm. that's the biggest challenge, right? To, to almost adopt the idea that two things that are opposite are true. Yeah. It, it takes, and to do that genuinely takes a lot of, I think, skill. And, um, and even, I think, some, some, some curiosity and, and some acceptance that truth is subjective mm-hmm. in the supreme level, right? Yeah. Like it all matters. The, the only thing that matters is what lens you're looking through. And I think the value of looking through the world through the lens of a child is that you're not looking at what can't be done. You're only looking at what can be done. Mm. You know, that's why mm-hmm. we're, we look at children as reckless because they're not looking at the limitations of the environment. Yeah. They're looking to access as much as possible. Let me yeah. go jump off that thing and see what happens, right? Yeah. And um, when you're an adult, you lose some of that because you yeah. know the consequences that come with those right. things, you know? So it, it takes a different level of fearlessness to kind of adopt that mentality again. So, and you know, to, to kind of segue out of this long diatribe of me philosophizing, but to, to get back to you, I think that it takes a, a little bit of, or not a little bit, but a lot of vulnerability to step into that podcast arena, right? Yeah. It's one thing to record yourself, but to record and promote and invite criticism and critique and all of that. Like, you know, like you were saying, there are all these voices out there. You felt like your opinion mattered, mm-hmm. you know, but you also invite other opinions. So what was your right. thoughts about that? So I think that that is, you know, truly one of the things that you never know when you do something like this is like, how is this going to be perceived? Am I going to mm-hmm. come across as, you know, as really intellectual? Am I going to come across as a total piece of shit? <laughs> Am I going to come across as, as, as just sort of like fun and entertaining? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing about putting something out there on social media for people to subscribe to and download is that you open yourself up to the idea of reviews. Mm. And, um, you know, there's always the, I don't know who you use as your, your host site. I use Buzzsprout. Mm-hmm. 
and shout out to Buzzsprout. Yeah. Give me a promotion there or you something. Go. Um, <laughs> but uh you know, there's there's all these metrics and things like that that like go into it, so you can like literally see mathematically proven yeah. if you're doing well or not. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, and that's and, and that's <laughs> tough. Like because like that's the thing. I think that you know, as I step back into this arena of having an audience, mm-hmm. I think the challenge for me, you know, just a, a quick moment of transparency is that yeah. authenticity is important. Mm-hmm. You know, but you need to be one of my favorite Jay-Z lines. I can't help the poor from one of them. So it's Mm. this idea of like keeping in perspective that, you know, it would be nice to be like this completely genuine person that only did things for love. But at some point there is a business, there's a business to this as well, because Mm -hmm. if you believe in your message, you want it to reach as many people as possible, which means you have to grow, which means you have to take into the metrics into consideration and what, you know, and and some of it can even help you learn about yourself. Like, you know, what am I doing that may not be connecting with folks? Yada, yada, yada. So, you know, but the, the, I guess the, the question of I have in, in, in all of that is kind of, you're doing all of this, are you fulfilled? Have you kind of felt good about all of like your success thus far? Or has it, have you been successful in what you set out to do? I have very much learned a ton. Okay. Not only about like what this process looks like, which is there's a lot to know. And there's so much that I didn't know when I went into this and I started and I was just like, I'm just going to do it Mm -hmm. and figure it out and Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens. And I did that. And uh, within like the first year I was like oh <laughs> probably should have done some of this differently and then you know here I'm in my fourth season we're halfway through um, and I still feel like you know I haven't quite hit the the level of notoriety that I maybe thought that I would mm-hmm. by this point because I mean coming up on five years you would kind of hope something may maybe something would give like yeah. I, I still don't technically have like Um, a sponsor or Mm -hmm. someone that is, I'm not making money off of this. This is Mm -hmm. still something that I'm doing as just me. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Which is great. And I think that's what makes me enjoy it so much. But at, you know, a certain point, like it's like, you're not really going to get to the next level unless you have a little money behind you. Absolutely. You know? So it's, I've definitely like sort of gone back and forth. The question I was like, well, you know, do we maybe, wrap it up here in the next season Mm -hmm. and maybe try something different, like a potentially different podcast, Mm -hmm. a different platform, something else that take what I've learned in this and apply it somewhere else. Or, you know, maybe is five years too little of an Mm -hmm. expectation to, to think that you're going to be a podcast of, of, of notoriety. And and who, who's to say with that, that's going to be different for every single person that does it. You know, there are the people that do it strictly because they just think it's fun to do. Mm-hmm. And I, that is definitely why I got started in it because I thought it would be fun. And then I had sort of like this like peak of interest and I was like, well, maybe this could be something more. Maybe this could be something that I would enjoy doing more than just like a day job that mm-hmm. I have. And, and, you know, and I think I never left that. And so I've sort of been in this weird limbo of like, yeah. which way do I finally decide to go with this? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like I'm still very proud of the work that I've done. I'm proud of, almost all of the episodes I put out. There's a few that I'm like, I really scraped the bottom of the barrel gotta, there. I was gotta, like, I had to put something out. I was you gotta like, do it. here we go. You gotta do it. Um, but, uh, but, but I think mostly like, I mean, one of the, the, the best things that I've, I, I think I've done thus far is just the connections that I've made with the people that have been on it. 
and the people that I've met through it, because there have been instances where there's people that I've reached out to, like completely, you know, mm-hmm. out of nowhere, and 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 talk to them. I talked to um, three like adult film stars there from that all. I believe they all live in Las Vegas, just because I was like, I would I'm curious to see what that world's like. I talked to this one actor from New York. I recently talked to a writer from LA. I'm, I actually, I believe he's returning. We're going to talk about the um, WGA and, and okay. uh, SAG after strike. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's these weird like things that sort of come out of you just kind of winging it. Yeah. That is great. And so I'm very proud of all of the work that has been done thus far. Um, and I am fulfilled by that. I think that like I, if it ends tomorrow, I'll be happy with the final product. I, I think that that's, you just said it right there. I think that that's what's special about doing something that you love and that you believe in and you feel like is aligned with your passion is that you're never certain about the end destination. You know where yeah. you want to go. You know yeah. ideally where you'd like to arrive. Yeah. But you, the only thing that you can bet on is the journey. Yeah. You know, like in, in the hope that the things that you're experiencing along the way give you some fulfillment that you're on the right path, you know? Yeah. Um, in the book that I like to quote a lot, The Alchemist, it says, like, pay attention to the signs. Mm. And I had a friend, um, I'll name drop him here, Brandon Jones, who, you know, we were talking about pursuing our dreams and all of these things. And he said, you know, I know I'm on the right path. It's hard to explain, but I can just see it. And I knew in a way what he meant, because a lot of times, you know, the path (laughs) isn't, you know, laid out in front of you in like black and white terms. Mm -hmm. What it the path is essentially you living life and seeing like just a, a symbol or a signal that says you're doing the right thing, right? Yeah. So for you, you know, when times were tough, maybe doing your podcast, the fact that like you got to meet an adult film star that might have been something interesting for you, mm-hmm. that's like a sign like maybe I'm on the right path. And mm-hmm. It makes you just want to go a little bit further. And I remember that, you know, thinking about um, one of my idols that are not idol i should say idol i'll just leave it in there idol kevin hart um i I look up to him because of his work ethic and what he's done but i remember he was telling the story about getting hit with a chicken a piece of chicken on stage you know like he's performing and somebody threw a chicken wing at him and i thought you know in hindsight people laugh at that story and they're like oh that's amazing you ever came that but think about the mentality you need to be in the middle of chasing your dream and get hit with a chicken wing yeah. In the middle of your chest. Right. It's like, what do you do from that point on How that you makes re- you want to continue Ooh, to go yeah. on? It, it's tough. Most people might say, you know what? That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's there's a there's something that needs to be invested or steeped in whatever it is you want mm-hmm. that allows for you to proceed beyond that. So it's I'm happy to hear that despite the challenges and maybe not receiving the monetary success that you may have looked for you're still finding fulfillment in a lot of other ways. Yeah. Like, because I think that that's appropriate role modeling for anyone who chases a dream. Yeah. You know, at, at least in my mind. So no, I agree. I mean, like, like there's a lot of stuff that has come from this, right? Like I, even me being here right now, potentially is mm-hmm. a result of, you know, like making a martini. Like had I not like sort of been, uh, you know, a little bit more, involved in like the like the world of like social media and like doing things yeah. like this because we had talked about this uh, i forget what episode we <laughs> talked about it was like your second or third it, it was, was somewhere around on. there yeah, yeah it was, it was very ago. early on very early on yeah. um that we that we started talking about I remember this seeing and we you just start posting about it and like, yeah oh, we just went, we had like a like a 40 minute conversation on <laughs> yeah. like facebook messenger yeah. about something yep. I, yeah. for, I truly do forget which one it was but um yeah. 
<laughs> it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, like something like this, which I like, this is something that I thoroughly enjoy. Like I never get to like talk about like this type of stuff. Like everything that I do is always very much geared toward geared towards the topic that I've chosen. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is, is a blast. Like this <laughs> is something like, like this is something that brings me joy is doing stuff like this. Well, I'm happy. And, and that's the reason I do this. I mean, I think that, I'll say it over and over again. You know, my purpose is for me to listen to stories and make connections. And I find genuine value in everyone, right? You know, I think that we're all trying to figure it out. We're all trying to do the best we can. And we're navigating this world with the information that we have, hopefully trying to, you know, succeed as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And instead of judging how we do that, what would it look like if we tried to understand how we're all trying to do that? And I hope that this podcast can be a place for that. And, you know, I opened up talking a little bit about idols and, you know, mm-hmm. we like I think you may have shared a little bit about, you know, you looked at some folks as examples. But, you know, who are the people? And this is another one of the questions. Yeah. Who are your influences? Or, and maybe who are some of those people that came before you and what did they teach you? So oh, this is a great question. <laughs> um, so this is sort of a, a twofold question for me, and I'll try to break it up into a, a one-on-one, Sorry. you know, is that I think there are those, like, for me, in, in life, like, people I've met that have been, like, personal idols, and then there's those, like, icons that mm-hmm. are, like, the epitome of what I want. Um, and... Uh, wow. <laughs> it's hard to pick one, but there are the, there are these like huge comedic legends that have repeatedly sort of shown up in my life. And actually, I mean, I maybe even I start with this and just be like one of the biggest influences in like the 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 driving. I just choked. The driving ideas behind making a martini mm-hmm. was actually Chelsea Handler, and mm. that she did this Netflix special called Chelsea Does, where she went through and she explored all these. And by all these, there was only four. Mm-hmm. These different topics. Uh, it was marriage, technology, racism, and I think I remember this. Dru- drugs. Yeah, drug, I think I remember Or drug this. use, yeah. Yep. And it was, like, super interesting to me because I was like, wow, like, what I appreciated, even though I think very one-sided, even mm-hmm. for the people, like, when she, like, interviewed the other side, I'm like, yeah. you could tell where she stood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was like, <laughs> she at least made the effort to, like, go and talk to these people, like, the other side. Yeah. Right? Of, of whatever stance it was that, that was being taken, taken, taken. It's fine. We're not worried about that right yeah, now. Thank yeah. Thank God. <laughs> um, so she, she was a big, she was a big driving horse behind, like, making a martini. But I think even just, like, sort of, like, personally, one of the biggest people that I have always sort of... Um, admired even like from a young age just like their entire career and what they've been able to do and I just recently listened to a podcast um, the SAG After podcast with Mm -hmm. them Uh, Jane Krakowski who is the actress behind um, Jenna from 30 Rock she was an Ally McBeal Um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt she's the blonde in all of those (laughs) I'm I'm very aware yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know and so she's a big 30 Rock fan so I know she um, 30 Rock was where I first like really was introduced to her even though without knowing it she's the the cousin in the uh, vacation movie that's like (laughs) who makes the joke about like her being a great uh, French kisser and then she's like well daddy <laughs> thinks that I'm the best at it that's her and I was like oh my god that was her <laughs> um, but uh, she has she is truly like one of like my career 
goals. Like she quite literally has mastered, you know, theater, television. She's done some film, but she she doesn't like really hold that as like her like staple. Um, and she has this sort of grace and comedic timing that is so unmatched to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like she can like look a certain way and I like yeah. will laugh for 10 minutes. Yeah. And I have always, and she picks the projects that she wants to do. She's not just like a say yes to everything. She's like, I, I take the time and I figure out what I want to do. Yeah. She's like, I'm a single mom. I've got a kid. I want to make mm-hmm. sure I spend time with them. And I have just always, and, and she kind of falls into that whole group of like her Tina Fey. Yeah. Not necessarily all SNL people, just because I think sometimes they might become sort of <laughs> Just say yes, people yeah. like yeah, I'll do that, whatever. Um, and then, uh, so that would probably be like my like celebrity role model. And then a, a personal role model that I that I've always kind of had was um, the the director of who wound up being the director of Annie when I did it in se- in, in seventh grade. She wound up doing every show that I did in high school, and then once I hit ninth grade, she started inviting me to do shows at like our community theater. And different things like that. And there was always this like really big level of trust because the show that I did in ninth grade was Cabaret, which in ninth grade, I believe I was 15. Mm-hmm. And for a 15 year old to sort of enter the world of, of Cabaret, which for anyone who doesn't know, is very much set in, in Germany. I was a young Nazi at one point. It's very dark. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 a tragic story that is sort of masked in this uh, vaudevillian, you know, tap dancey like la 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 la, look at us but we're also we're nazis and so it's 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 something that's really hard to like sort of wrap your your mind around when you are 15 but it was one of those things where she trusted me i trusted her Mm -hmm. we did this and i think that like having that sort of respect for a kid who someone saw talent in and was like hey you are good do you need to keep doing this outside of just high school like don't stop Mm -hmm. here explore other options and you know she ultimately was the one who got me to go to college for it and and you know I think she took on such a big role in my development as a a performative person that Mm -hmm. I I would love to be able to do that for someone at some point in Mm -hmm. my life if it ever happens I mean I don't well, know. I don't know kids and I, I don't like them. I, but I, I'm certain I'm certain well maybe not children, but I'm certain you've done that in some capacity just by kind of living your experience and role yeah. modeling, right? But you know, I, I think that well, one of the questions I guess and, and this is the second part of that question is what do you think they taught you about you though, right? Because I think that sometimes mm. when we look at our role models, they're the actualized versions of who we want to be in some ways, right? Like mm-hmm. they've achieved and they've accomplished where we would like to be mm-hmm. we just need to get there so like maybe what did you learn about yourself in looking at those characters or those with, people in your life yeah with with jackie who was the director of the of annie and mm-hmm. all the other shows um one of the things that i think she taught me the most was just to trust myself mm. and like if there's something if you have an instinct about something and granted this is like from like an actor's perspective but it Mm. applies I mean in so many different ways like just trust yourself if you think that you have a perception of something I mean I guess and not to quote Apple yeah (laughs) trust but verify you know what I mean but like you know like go with your gut instincts like don't be afraid to think that you're right Mm -hmm. because you know (laughs) that and then also don't be afraid to admit that you're wrong but um 
you know, just to have that sort of insight into whatever it might be, right? To, mm-hmm. to think, you know, I, I, I have this opinion about this. I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. Or I think I've figured this out. Like, you know, do what you need to do to, to you know, validate yourself. Mm-hmm. But trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Think that, like, what your instincts has to tell you is correct. Because they're your instincts. Like, why wouldn't you listen to them? Absolutely. Um, and then only because I just recently listened to this, this podcast with Jane Kukowski, just to sort <laughs> of go back to, to her and what I think she maybe taught me is don't be afraid to fight for yourself. Yeah. And that does not mean like a physical, like brouhaha. That means maybe like, it does. For, maybe it does. <laughs> yeah. But like for her, she was like, there were a few times in, in, in her life that there were roles that she refused to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. One of them was Jenna. They did not want her. Mm-hmm. One of them was Ally McBeal, which is the show that like actually like launched her career. Mm-hmm. And one of them was um, Nine on Broadway, which she won a Tony Award for. Mm. Like they did not want her at all. She had to fight for all three of those, and she refused to take no for an answer. And so I, I I think that you know not being afraid to fight for yourself and do what you think needs to be done to 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 achieve your goals. Is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are a lot of people out there that maybe just will sort of wallflower and be like, oh, well, I didn't get this opportunity, so I guess mm-hmm. this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like, for every one opportunity that you don't get, there might be 50 other opportunities out there that okay. are waiting. That's that's so interesting to me. Like, I, I see, and I may be trying to make something, you know, puzzle pieces fit here <laughs> when they may not, but... That's so fascinating that for you, your identity growing up the way you did, looking at entertainment as a way of connecting with other people, these stories, or excuse me, these lessons almost seem like they're like the next level you needed to develop in, in, in who you were in a sense, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everyone could have seen my face. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Like, it's not going to register on a podcast because... <laughs> because your face <laughs> your face your face was just so dramatic like like it was like this thing just clicked really hard if there was mind. a definition of realization <laughs> in the dictionary it would be that face yeah i need to get cameras ASAP. absolutely get cameras as soon as possible but yeah like it, it seems like like it was almost like there are these guiding people saying like if this is the path you chose, these are the things you're going to need. Um, both of those lessons, it seems, are so tangent, like so essential to what you needed. Yeah. You know? No, I think so. And, I, you know, it's it's different. It's like, obviously, uh, Jackie, the director of Annie, mm-hmm. was really someone who was with me throughout my, like, entire high school career. And, and there were a lot of other stuff that I did, like, during high school that maybe didn't involve her. Mm-hmm. And... Um, because, like, really, it was, it, you know, once I went to college is when I kind of discovered 30 Rock. Yeah. <laughs> which is, like, it's almost like I'm, like, going through these, like, different role models yeah. right now. <laughs> Everything like, happens for a reason. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and I, you know what, even to be perfectly honest, like, now that I'm here in Pittsburgh, I'm out of college. I have another, you know, person that is very dear to my heart, and she's been on my podcast a ton, Lisa Ann Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is, uh, she was a, a professor at IUP when I went there for one year. Um, and she, we, d- we did two shows together, one of which she was sort of handed that was precast, the other which she actually cast me in. Mm-hmm. And we had this great working relationship, and, and she taught me so much about myself and what it meant to be, you know, a performer. 
which is you know what a college professor should do yeah, when you're absolutely. in theater but yeah. we've maintained our friendship through I mean that was 13 years ago mm. and she lives in Pittsburgh and we do monthly dinners she's like I said she's been on my podcast so I, I feel like those people that like sort of come into your lives come into your lives at the exact right moment but mm-hmm. then act upon what they need to act upon yeah and also exactly the right moment yeah. and, I, and i think there's some element of that that you need to give yourself credit for because you need to be able to and be willing to see that yeah you know i think that it's very easy to not be open to the lessons that you know the, that that the universe god whoever you want to call it is trying yeah. to give you um, and I think that that's the whole element, you know, I think that there's the whole everything happens for a reason, the mystical side of things. Yeah. But I also think there's the more pragmatic thing that says, you know, when you know what you want, your threshold is lower for the things that could be beneficial to you and you're yeah. just more aware. So whatever way that you're, uh, you want to approach things, the biggest thing is that you have clarity around what it is that you want. Yeah. And I, I think it's just fascinating to me that like these people have kind of showed up in your life and been the symbol of what you needed to be more of who you are, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like very it, true. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that was uh, like I said, I mean, <laughs> the face of realization, I think, I think. Said it all. <laughs> well, uh, making a, a little bit of a pivot, you know, mm-hmm. and this is maybe uh, away from the, the people that have influenced you, but mm-hmm. more about you again. You know, what's something you feel like you're really good at? We talked about entertainment. I mean, maybe yeah. you think that's it. But what is something you feel like if you had to say it on, you know, this is me, this is what I'm really good at, what would that be? But on editing. <laughs> all right. All right, all right. The things that, what, what was that, the things that I'm great at? <laughs> great at, good at, whatever you prefer. Good at. Man, do you remember what I was going with? <laughs> do I remember? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't either. What is something that you're good at? It doesn't have to be great. It's something you feel you're good at. And you, it doesn't even have to be proven. I do remember. Okay. It was something about empathy. Okay. Oh, yeah, you were talking about empathy and your ability to connect with people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was something like that. Okay. Yeah, some bullshit. No, well, it was kidding. not bullshit. No, I'm just kidding. No. But no, like you're, you're, you're alluding to the fact that you said at Apple, if someone talked to you, then they would realize you yeah, didn't know what you were talking right. about. Yeah. I don't agree with that, but go ahead. Um. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I've always sort of prided myself in is the ability to be a more empathetic person, um, which isn't easy because I think that the the world itself revolves on being more sympathetic mm-hmm. because that is the more easier thing to do mm-hmm. um, merely because it's easy to feel you know, sympathetic towards someone, but empathetic is, is something entirely different where it's like you've got to understand where someone's coming Absolutely. from, understand what's going through, what, what someone's going through and then put yourself in those shoes. Absolutely. And that, that is truly where I think like theater has really helped me develop that because that's literally what it is. That's what acting is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's doing that. So why people need time off after. They've done yeah, it yeah. Like I think that, and, and like I had, I think I've mentioned earlier, um, that we had worked at Apple before. I, I do truly think that like that is what I relied on because I didn't have technical expertise. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> I really didn't. Like I was like, I know that I've got to erase your computer, but I don't know why. I just know <laughs> that that's what the solution is. Yeah. But I'm going to make you feel good about it. <laughs> there you go. And that's what I had to do. And unfortunately, 
the human experience is not set up for that to work, which is why I hated it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. I was like, I have to rely on these empathetic type skills in order to be able to get these, you know, 90-year-old widows to erase their computer with pictures of their dead husbands on mm -hmm. it and, like, all this stuff. And I was like, I am putting way too much of myself in this to overcompensate for the fact that I'm not a technician. I'm not a tech mm -hmm. person. I don't have that sort of mentality. I'm an emotional person. Absolutely. And um, I think that that has it's really helped me. Currently in my life right now, I'm um, a human resources manager. Mm -hmm. And while I think a lot of that does come down to paperwork and pencil pushing and doing all that stuff, because we are such a small company, mm -hmm. you know, it's everyone is so involved in every aspect of it. And so being able to understand them and, and talk to them and realize where they're coming from, if they have a concern or a problem, or even if they just want to tell me about something that they're doing, mm -hmm. you know, while I may not care, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a lot of the cases. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I still am like, that's great. Like the, yeah. the, this is really awesome. Like the fact that you're excited about this makes me excited about this. So I think empathy is like the is the one area in my life that I've sort of excelled. Mm. At. I, I I find that well I find everything that you're saying very interesting. Um, I, I think that that's also interesting, and it just makes me think of how you know that one of the earliest things you said when we I asked you who you are, you started talking about where you're from and it being a small town, and you talked about again not to make this about your sexuality, but that being an aspect that you felt like wasn't understood, mm -hmm. and how you leaned into other aspects of your personality that you felt like would be better received yeah. it, it it seems like this is almost another mirror of that right like you're doing yeah. the thing in some ways that you wish was done for you um or i shouldn't say wish because i don't know what you were hoping for no then, yeah but like the, you know it like it, it for you to say that you didn't have that makes me believe that you in some ways wanted that or wish mm -hmm. it, it would have been better if you could have had that and yeah. And in, and in some ways you're practicing that, that thing you wanted with yeah. other people. I, I, yeah, 100%. I think that like, you know, if we're, if we're combining like, you know, um, just to sort of segue the two things that we've been sort of talking about mm -hmm. with, <laughs> sorry. sorry. I'm not sure where I was trying to. Maybe how making the role, mo role models and like, you're yeah, between about, yeah. like the role models, the, what you're good at. Yeah sexuality and where I am at now because yeah. <laughs> I literally did just combine all of those the um, you know even just like the idea of like uh, sexuality and sex education which is something mm -hmm. that I'm super passionate about mm -hmm. um, both on and off the podcast like mm -hmm. I, I think that sex education in in this country and in this world is just so pathetic and uh, lacking and you know I, I I've, I've, I've talked numerous times about it on my show and you know even something as simple as just like acknowledging the existence of anything other mm. than a you know heterosexual relationship in a health class yeah I don't think people realize how much of an impact that would actually make it's not like anyone wants a dissertation on how yeah. two guys have sex it's just being seen it's yeah it's being seen and yeah. and just you know having having it be casual like it doesn't yeah. have to be like this and yeah. by the way, it's not tongue yeah. in cheek. Like I yeah. would be appalled if I ever saw a health professor yeah. being like, 
And if you guys want to know how <laughs> this happens, you know, but it's just, it, it, it's, it's that kind of idea that like, I would have appreciated that, but it didn't happen for me. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how things work today. Like I, to my understanding from um, people that I've talked to and people that have kids now that are going through sex education at sixth grade, which uh, for me was like so otherworldly. Yeah. But everyone else was like, no, that's pretty standard. I was like, mine was ninth grade. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and maybe that explains a lot, but um, you know, it, it was just, I, I think that like the visibility and that like that empathetic piece, it's like, I don't think that like, you know, school curriculum and things like that are chosen by a school board who looks yeah. at a list of things and says, this is what we're going to teach. This is not what we're going to teach. There's no empathy involved in whatsoever. It's a business decision mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be because children aren't business. They're yeah. not, just like you know numbers on a page they're they're people absolutely you know so i don't actually know if that answered what you no i i think i think it does <laughs> i think from at least what i'm hearing you say is that you know a lot of your your general interests currently revolve around health education and mm-hmm. sex education particularly in that you believe that if there was more of a open conversation around the myriad of ways that mm-hmm. sex education needs to be talked about and discussed because of the ways that it traverses, traverses the human experience. Right. If that was more well received, that would have had a traumatic impact or, or tremendous impact on you as a, a child huge. Like, and, and even being accepted amongst yeah. others. It right? could have been a day. It could have been like a day conversation yeah. where you talk about different like you know, normative sexual mm-hmm. relationships. It is not necessarily, I'm not saying like you need to talk about homosexual relationships, but just yeah. the idea of talking about non hetero relationships yeah. over the course of time, however long it might have been, does its part to release the stigma around them. So yeah. that, 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 like that kids that might potentially quote unquote bully, not mm-hmm. to get on a soapbox, but people who are not heterosexual. Yeah. You know, it, it starts to humanize that idea Absolutely. in their mind. And I was going to say, because when someone's human to you, it's harder for you just to be like, "Well, that." The, and, and I, I completely agree with what your premise is. I mean, my whole the 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 quietest it's kept reason behind doing this podcast, and I guess the cat's out of the bag. And in, in, in an earlier episode, is that you know it's all about recognizing the fact that there are very few things that you hate that you understand. Yeah, and that hate is usually mostly exclusive to things that you don't really know a lot about because if you put in the equity to learn about something there's a reverence that you have for things even if you don't agree right you know even if you disagree fully you you, it's hard to get to hate like and, and that and that that piece of it is i think is what's so important and i think that that's what stops people from having meaningful dialogue is that a lot of times and i go back to the aristotle's quote because if you can have an idea that, you know, it's good to just entertain these two concepts, something right. I don't agree with, it opens you up to the fact that there's a concept or an understanding of the world that you don't possess. Right. And that's just where you, that, that's a long way for people. Right. You know, and, and there's some humility there. And, and, and I think that empathy allows you, allows you to activate that in a different way and, and to role model that for other people. Right. right. Empathy is you taking on the burden of that. In a lot of ways and helping people kind of ease that transition saying in a lot of ways that I know how you see the world and I understand you. And it sounds like from listening to you, it's a function of who you are and your willingness to do that as virtue as an entertainer. 
but it's also kind of what you expect or would like for the world to present you in return. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, I can imagine. And that's the difficult trade off is like you, you know, we, we do these things. And, and that's why I think understanding yourself is so important because it highlights like, why do I, why do I do the thing? Like out of all the things that I do, like out of all the things that I could do in the world, I do these things, I do this, right? You know, or this the, makes yeah. me feel good. So, and you know, moving on a mm -hmm. little bit of, mm -hmm. of speaking about the things that we do um, and, and who we are, and this is a little bit more of a, I guess a, uh, this may be a more challenging question. You can answer right. it however oh, you choose shit. to. Okay. What is something you may be afraid of? Because, and I'll preface this by saying that I think fear plays a unique role in our lives that it's the, the key indication of self-sabotage. Okay. Like, I think that if you're not used to success, you, we all, like, we, we have the ability to maybe start to do things or start to hold ourselves back in ways that we're unaware of because we're, we don't know what we're afraid of and its impact on us. So I, I like to bring that question up of like, what do you think that if you were to answer that question, what are you afraid of? That's a great question. <laughs> I think that there, there is sort of two levels almost to this, to this question. Mm -hmm. I think there's like the 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 thing that I'm afraid to do mm -hmm. that I still do, okay. Even though I'm afraid to do it, yeah. And there's the thing that I won't do, okay. And the thing that I'm afraid to do that I still do is is sort of be vulnerable, okay. And vulnerability is such a a broad topic, um, because it's subjective. It's something that means something different to every single person that would ever want to talk about it. And I think that unfortunately <laughs> that is something that every like person in the arts has in common mm -hmm. is that they will always be afraid to be vulnerable. Mm. Okay. And it's something that they will always wind up doing because that's where the work is. Mm. That's what you've got to do. You've got to be vulnerable in order to do what you love. And it's just one of those sort of necessary evils that comes from it because you, <laughs> you don't really have a choice. It's like depending Pandora's. on what the show is, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, or the, or the part or the role or the movie or the, the, whatever the art, the piece that you're mm -hmm. painting, like whatever it might be. Um, you know, it's 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 necessary and it can be cathartic and it can be completely crushing. Um, and that's, I think, something that, you know, you just sort of mm -hmm. eventually over time deal with. Those two those two outcomes never cease to exist, though. Never. So that's the thing. Like, I, I can understand why that would be a fear. Um, I, I guess I'm curious as to why out of all the things to be afraid of vulnerability is the one that jumps out the most to you. I think even like if we even th like talk about like the idea of my podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, I, to me, truly, I feel like when I'm recording an episode, I'm not the same Caleb that I am every day. Like there's a, it's, it's a character, mm -hmm. a character caricature mm -hmm. of myself 
such a difficult word. That's right. <laughs> I'm there with you. Um, that I, I sort of put on like I'm much, I'm much more crass. I'm much more vulgar. Mm-hmm. I'm more. Still elements of you just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. It's sort of like a, a sort of bastardization of how I sort of see myself in the best possible way because yeah. I think it's funny. I think it's, it's comedic and I think it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, a little bit different than like a conversation I would have with someone like at William Penn Tavern. Yeah. Shout out to William Penn Tavern. Absolutely. Best wings in the city. Give us <laughs> Thank a sponsorship. You. Please. I want a wing sauce named after me. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but I think that, um, you know, so like even like that, like something like that is, uh, is, is still not like the full version of who I am and, and, and what I, you know, represent. I think I do mm-hmm. a lot more for, what an audience would expect based on what the topic is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that I see a lot of what you're saying and, you know, I'm a big, if you haven't noticed, but I'm a big superhero Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I love all that stuff. Right. And I think there's novelty in looking at superheroes because I think what superheroes attempt to do is to take humanity and blow it out of proportion mm-hmm. to say who are we if we could do these fantastic things and yeah. and the in the the value of that and i think the drama in it is that we're still the same yeah you know as much you can take people across the universe all that you can watch every marvel movie about every superhero from every planet and essentially it's daddy issues or mommy issues or whatever like it's Something. it's the, it's yeah. the same stories that connect us and i think that there's value in that because what blowing something out of proportion does is it allows for you to examine it in new detail, right? Yeah. So when you talk about your experience being, you know, the Caleb that's on the Martini podcast, I fully understand that because, you know, when you look at Superman, Superman can't be Clark Kent and Clark Kent can't be Superman. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that there's a separation. And it's because for me to be this impervious human being, I can't have faults. Right. Clark Kent has faults because he likes people and he, he loves Lois Lane and he does all these other right. things, right? But for me to love these people, I can't be impervious. I can't yeah. be this person that is, you know, I need to yeah. be vulnerable. <laughs> I need to be I need to be relatable. I need to be vulnerable. And that's, I think, the, the beauty of that duality and also the stark separation between the two. Yeah. And, and in some ways, that's what we're all trying to do is figure out how do we take these elements of ourselves, the young version of ourselves when we were five, the, the older version of ourselves who we are now, the person who we're going to become and who we want to be and make that into one cohesive person that we feel good about and, and present that to the world. That's the piece yeah. because once you figure out who that is, that's one challenge. And then you decide, well, now do I want to put this out there because I open myself up for scrutiny right. and cr- criticism and you know critique. <laughs> yeah, and it's so crazy because you spend all that time like creating this version of yourself that you feel comfortable with. Yeah. And then once you have it, yeah. there's a whole other step where it's like are you comfortable enough to like let the world see this? Yeah. And and it's and it's Are you sure? Done. Like, you know, it's like the it's like the pyramid question. It's yeah. like, are you sure you want to go with this or would you rather go with door number 3? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my god, please just let me. <laughs> it's never I think that that's the it's both the beauty and the challenge, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why I love when people say fall in love with the journey because yeah. The idea that you're going to grow into this final version of yourself is never mm-hmm. It's never an actualized thing. You know, you're never. always going to keep moving. And as soon as you think the work is done, if you're self-aware, you realize there's more work to mm-hmm. be done in some 
capacity, right? So the final, yeah, the final version of yourself will never be until the day that you're done. Yeah, I I think that's just it. Yeah, and and I think that, and even then, it's not even up to you. It's like your legacy and how you remember. But my, I think that the question about fear is important because I view growth as like a journey, and I'm not one for um, Christopher Columbus as a historic figure, but we'll use him because it's the most uh, a very common story. This idea of discovering a new world. You know, it's it's very easy to look at the world as we have it now and, and say that this existed and to look at the stories of these people and say, right. oh, that makes sense. Right. Oh, that right. that because the story's over. Right. But when you think about what it must have been like, same with Kevin Hart getting hit with that chicken wing, but being an explorer and standing on the, the edge of the known world. This is what I think the world is not just like I think that this is an island, but I think this is all of the world that we have. Yeah. And I'm going to sail that way for more. Like that takes a level of understanding fear that I don't think people recognize because people would say that that's overcoming fear, but really it's, it's understanding your relationship with it Yeah. because it never goes away. Like there's never going to be a moment until you're almost successful that you're not afraid. Yeah. And I think that that's why that question is important because if you know what fear looks like, then you can address it as it comes up, right? You know that vulnerability is a challenge for you. Yeah. So now you know exactly where to start whenever you want to grow. Yeah. That that's a very it's like a blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. It's At huge. least in my mind. <laughs> no, no, the, no. That is. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. Like that is very. <laughs> that's it. That that's what it is. That's, you could just that, say I don't know, yeah. Tom. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know, Tom. Okay, I don't know. No, right. that is exactly okay. what it is. All right. Well, two more, two more bigger questions though. Oh no. Um, so uh, the 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 last one is a little bit of a funny one, but we'll go there. Right. Um, so I I think about like thinking of your final form. If you could think about vision yourself out, who do you want to become? Uh, what Char- does that look like? Charmander. Charmander? No. The second evolved? <laughs> that's like the first stage of the Pokemon evolution, isn't it? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like know Charmander, Char, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Charmizard. Charters, yeah. Charbadarbadu. <laughs> um, the, the final version of what I want to be. Yeah. That was the question? Yeah. Or like, who do you, like the final version, who do you want to become? I want to be someone who can... Primarily, and this might be a little stereotypical, Mm -hmm. I want to look back on my life when I'm at the end of it and say, I did what I wanted to do. Mm. I, you know, and that might be different for every single person. Like I, 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 you know, there's still so much right now. I'm, I'm 30. How old am I? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to say FYI. I'm not going to put that on you. I think, yeah, I'm 32. Yeah, Yeah. I'm 32. What year is it? 2023? Yeah. Yeah, I'm twenty. I'm thirty-two. Yes, yeah, I'll be thirty-three this year. Okay, November sixteenth. If anyone would like to send gifts, there you um, go. Our but I, yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, there's so much still that I've I, that I have left to accomplish and that I want to do. But I, but when it comes to the end, when I am there, and hopefully it's a while from now, I will be able to look back and say that I did what I, I did what I wanted, how I wanted. Mm. Because I think there's a big difference between doing what you wanted and doing it on your own terms. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of people that can potentially do what they want to do and maybe not 
be proud of how they got there, whatever it might be, yeah. whether it be having the biggest house on the block, whether mm-hmm. it be having the perfect family, whether it be having the CEO career of a lifetime, mm-hmm. whether it be starring with Jane Krakowski <laughs> in a TV show there for one go. episode. There you go. Like that. I mean, that is it for me. So <laughs> for me, it's writing the season. No. It's writing an episode with Larry David of like a comedy show. I would kill <laughs> like, for that. I would my, kill for that guy. for you. That's my guy. So yeah. All right. Well, now my my end goal is to kill for that for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so, all the all the affirmations. Yeah. I, I I can. T- I'll take mm. it all. But go ahead. But but yeah, I I, I just want to. It's not that I don't want to have any regrets because I think everyone should have regrets. Yeah. No one does everything perfectly. You've got to regret stuff in yeah. life in order to be able to 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 live and to grow. But I I think I would like to look back and say I did what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it. Nice. And uh, hopefully that's I get there. All right. <laughs> I can crossed. appreciate that. I think you'll get there. I'm almost certain you'll get there. I think that. You know, one of the challenges that I've seen between people that, you know, have been successful and who haven't isn't so much the dreaming, it's the discipline. Yeah. You know? And I think that, you know, one of the challenges, even for my own growth, is recognizing that whoever I want to be, it's going to take me looking at myself more than it is looking at what I can gain or what I can, mm-hmm. like, gather, right? It's not like, you know, I'm not, the, 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 the things that I need to be successful aren't always out in the environment. Sometimes yeah. it's about building myself and making myself better. So I can definitely appreciate that element of like wanting to get to that point where you've done that so well that you can look and say like, wow, I've, I've done it the way that I wanted to do it. I've gotten the things that I've gotten and I feel good about it, you know? So it's like the full, fully actualized version of you, you know? So (laughs) why are you smiling like that? No, no, I just, I was like, (laughs) that just, that just related. I was like, yeah, I mean, (laughs) having, having a fully realized and self actualized plan of where it is that you want to be, is so amazing, yeah. But yet so difficult it is. to actually make. Yes, you know, and it's not it, not even so much to make happen. It's mm-hmm. like difficult to make. Like yeah. you've got to like to like put that plan into place. It almost makes you and you, then start. You're like you got to be delusional a little bit. Like got to be delusional. And, and that's and that's like being I delusional that, is one of the greatest things <laughs> in the world yeah. because it's 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 the it's freedom. It's the everyday waking humans dream yeah you know i i think it's like a, yeah it's a walking dream I, I think about um you know he's not the most popular right now but i think about the old kanye west um interviews and one of the things that people don't realize is like he said early on like i'm the greatest this i'm the greatest that i'm the greatest this and mm-hmm. someone asked him like why do you say that he's like everybody in the world is telling me i'm not everybody i walk up to is saying you're not good at this you're not good at that so to combat all of that, I need to double down on the, what I tell myself, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm not going to also help the world tell yeah. me that I'm not good. Yeah. And I think the challenge is once the world starts telling you you're good and you're also telling it, then it looks a little different, right? Yeah. But to that effect, though, I think it's important to remember that, you know, everything, not everything, most things that we encounter in, in this human experience is based on perspective, you know? Yeah. Like we choose how to interpret the natural order of the things that are happening around us. And when you feel like you have the capacity to pursue the dreams that, that are yours, I think it does take a lot of energy to remember that not only are you in the right path, but that you're good enough. Like yeah. all the things that you're talking about, the discipline and the delusion that you deserve it, like yeah. all of that's important. So yeah. I, I don't, it is really like that, that when you look back, it's that fully actualized yeah. version of you. So I, I would completely agree with that. 
And yes. my last question, yes. and I'll leave you with this. Um, you can answer it however you choose. <laughs> now that we've had this conversation, uh -huh. if I were to ask you who you are again, what would you say? You can say the same thing. You said an entertainer earlier. But what would you say? I would still say that I was an, uh, an entertainer. Mm -hmm. Entertainer. Mm -hmm. That was the vodka talking. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I would say that I'm an entertainer that wants to help is the wrong word uh, an entertainer that wants to include others mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is that I, I, I know who I am as a performer I know who I am as a podcaster I know who I am as sort of well, no, unfortunately, I don't know who I am as a person. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't think anyone should at 32. Yeah. Always evolving. Yeah, always evolving. Yeah. I know who I am as of right now at 32. Yeah. Uh, but I want to be that 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 person that is a, a resource, a, a role model, a uh, sort of guide almost. Mm-hmm through the parts of the entertainment world that people don't teach you about. Almost like your role model is for you. Yes. Like you talked about her being persistent, not saying no. Right. That role model for you a lot of things. You almost yes. sounds, sounds like you want to do the same thing. Yeah, I do. And I, I want it to be something that a little bit more actualized, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't know Jane Krakowski, yeah. although I would love to. And if she's listening to Jane, this, if you're listening, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, even just like one song. There you would, go. I could die. I, that would go. be, that would be where I'd be I'm like, a big 30 rock fan it. too. So I, I <laughs> would love it, for Lord. this to be the vehicle that yeah. you all meet. So. <laughs> um, but I want it to be something along the lines of, uh, you know, that I, I, I can be some sort of, resource to people who want to do what it is that I want to do but yet also that maybe I haven't had the chance to like I know I know where I went wrong and mm -hmm. where I didn't like pursue certain aspects of the entertainment industry like maybe I could have mm -hmm. right like I mean yeah a lot of people that like want to be in entertainment work in Apple yeah but it's not out of a necessity it's yeah. because of like they're doing that while they're doing that and I was mm -hmm. like oh shit like <laughs> IEP wants their money back. I better like get a job. And so I wound up working at Apple and that brought me to Pittsburgh and yeah. that, you know, has brought me here and I'm like still figuring it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would, I, I know I'm an entertainer, but I want to be an entertainer for, or I want to be an entertainer that helps future generations self-realize what it is that they need to do to make themselves successful. Yeah. I think that, it's so funny that you want to do that because I'm, although I believe that we should in some ways try to strive for altruism, I don't believe in altruism. I don't mm -hmm. think that people genuinely do things for other people, but I do think they can. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they do it like sustainably, like over and over yeah. and over and over and over again. Right. But I do think that there's value in figuring out something that both benefits you and humanity at the same time. Right. Right. And I think that that's interesting that you've arrived at almost a similar solution because if you're able to be that for those people, it's almost like you've arrived at exactly the person, the younger you need it. Wanted, yeah. Interesting. And you know what? It's so weird that, like, I, I, I truly don't actually remember how old um, 
my director in seventh grade or Jane Krakowski was yeah. at either age in which yeah. I like found them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if you were to ask me this same question in 10 years, mm-hmm. which I think sounds like a great follow up. There episode. we go. There we go. There we <laughs> I'll go. I'll see you in 10 years. There we go. I'm uh, I, I would be curious to see what I thought, like what my answer would be then mm-hmm. and what my opinion of my answer was now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just find that I, I love that, like, that's the beauty of, like, why I love stories. Yeah. And, and we can start to wrap it up um, unless there's something else you wanted to share, too, because no, like, was... I didn't I didn't want to go on this long diatribe. But <laughs> I think that what you see in stories, you know, like if you watch a Game of Thrones, if you watch Marvel movies, if you watch soap operas, I used to watch with my grandmother, Days of Our Lives. It's like this common cycle that you see in people. And it's like the more we do for others, the more we set out into this world to be great and to do all of these things and to make these changes, we're only ever trying to like really in some ways satisfy that small part of us that started in the beginning. Right. And like, if you can find a synergy in that, like, I think that that's what it means to be whole in some ways, because we all want to be the dreamers. When you're born, everything is a possibility. Yeah. You know, it's only the pieces of the world that show us that, this part of us and who we are is why we shouldn't deserve or we don't deserve. And Mm -hmm. when you hear that, you battle against that, you rally against that. So in some ways, if you're able to be that person you talk about, you succeeded in dealing with the challenges that would have stopped that younger version of you from being their full Mm -hmm. selves like that, that it's like the ultimate victory. And like you said, you role model that for others. Yeah. You know, like I, I heard someone say that they fight the fights that they fight so that, people after them won't have to, you know, it might be hard. It might be challenging, but if you can make the world one degree better, you're moving the needle, you know? So I think that for you to be another Jane would make a lot of sense for someone who might sit on a podcast like this and say, man, when I think about Caleb, that's who I want to (laughs) be. You know, like I think that like how he carries himself and, you know, when he was in that one show, I was like, man, he should (laughs) have like that. Like to hear somebody talk about you like that is not far fetched. But that's yeah. the beauty of storytelling is like that's going to happen. Right. If you keep doing what you need to do, someone's going to tell the exact same story you told. Right. That's so fascinating. That's why I love this stuff, man. It's so interesting to me. And that's why I think that this this your idea for a podcast is so brilliant yeah. in the act of like no matter whom you talk to. Yeah. Especially, I mean, this is the first time I've heard the questions that you yeah. th- that that you asked me. Right. And like they're not just specific like, oh, you work in this industry, you work in this industry, Mm -hmm. you work in this industry. Here's the questions I have for you. This Mm -hmm. is you're a person who lives on this earth. That's all. Who exists in the same plane as me. Mm -hmm. And here are some questions I have for you. Mm -hmm. And that is why I think that this is this is brilliant. I think this is gold i appreciate it well thank you caleb for coming on the podcast answering these questions sitting with me we're at an hour 30 that's not bad at all so i despite all the technical challenges and things we dealt with (laughs) this was a lot of fun i'm gonna play your song to like let us close out but i really appreciate i really i'm not gonna play it that way So so much for Bluetooth. Like, did it just disconnect fully? Uh, it's like, you know what? I'm out of here, Thomas. But my biggest, I really want to say thank you again. I really appreciate you taking the time. You didn't have to do this. Um, and I really appreciate anyone being willing to share their story with me. Yeah. 
you know, like that, the, it's the epitome of vulnerability. You're sharing things that you don't have to share. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to say thank you. So no, thank, thank you. For you. Your time and, and anyone that Thomas ever reaches out to, if you don't do this show, you're a fool. <laughs> I won't say that, but I appreciate I'll, it. I'll so. endorse that as making a martini. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And also listen to making a martini as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. There we go. We'll leave with this. Kayla. We'll go with, we'll leave out with that. Thank you so much.